we never really learned the skills to filter, uh, to judge the quality of the information. This is a skill that is missing, and it makes uh, us, uh, it makes a lot of people vulnerable to this information. And we should not only try to identify this information, we should work on the other side, because this is going to give the best outcome. Hello and welcome to the inoculation. My name is Eva von Schaefer, and today is going to be our last episode before we go on our long-deserved summer break. Hi, I'm Daivara Pachkaite, and I'm also looking forward to the break. But who did we just hear? We just heard Giovanni da San Martino, who's an Italian researcher working on how to let or how to actually get computers to spot fake news for us. I'm just going to let him introduce himself. So I'm a research uh, associate at the University of Padova in Italy. And I have been working uh, lately on uh, disinformation detection, which is everything related to from fake news or, or everything that can be harmful uh, about information. Oh, that sounds interesting. Yeah, I came across his work when I was researching GPT-3. I don't know if you remember. That's the software that can um, create using um, natural language processing. It creates a near human level of disinformation. I do remember, but for those who need a reminder, there's a link in the show notes. It's a somewhat newish field, and Giovanni uh, told me how he got started, and let's just listen in. I've started working uh, on machine learning, and then I, I I was moving from one job to another and ended up in a group that was doing uh, natural language processing, uh, a project uh, about fake news uh, detection. And while I was uh, studying the problem, there were some things that uh, really like uh, clicked uh, with me and I got passionate about uh, about the topic. Can you give our listeners a quick rundown of what NLP is? I'm not sure all of our listeners would know. Well, luckily I asked him. So let's just listen to what he told me. So natural language processing is uh, uh, the treatment of language uh, using a computer. So everything related to language, the analysis of language, the production of written text, but made by a computer. So that involves a lot of complicated uh, subtasks, and they together form uh, natural language processing. So why is it important? Well, it's really important because we know the amount of disinformation is just growing, and we know that manual or actually human fact-checking works, but it's just very labor and time intensive. How do we know it works? Well, there's a number of studies that have shown that uh, manual fact-checkers, human fact-checkers, um, do find disinformation and that it can help just stem the flood of disinformation. Um, but of course, we don't have enough fact checkers. What else makes the combat against misinformation difficult? Well, I think, first of all, um, in the whole deluge of disinformation, somebody has to decide what to fact check. You can't go in and fact check everything. That would just be too overwhelming. And the other thing is, Um, You know, the speed at which disinformation is passed on, uh, for example, on Twitter, means that fact checkers have to be really fast. And and that's just a point where robot fact checkers could be extremely helpful. 
So I asked Giovanni how machine learning and how machines can help us find disinformation um, and how we might imagine this happening in the future. The task in itself is, uh, is very difficult and challenging uh, also because uh, it's not about uh, uh, like detecting some kind of text that might be malicious or not. It's, it's, there are uh, human, uh, human people behind them that might change their, their behavior. So we, uh, they might adapt to our system to, to detect them. To some extent, so this is kind of uh, um, of a challenging problem. Let's say that the research started by trying to have uh, to to have this automatic system that would do anything, everything for us. Like you, you give a piece of text, for example, and it says whether it is completely fake or not. It does all the steps, like. Uh, I don't know if you have like a long uh, text or like a debate, for example, is supposed to check every sentence of the debate, whether uh, and look for information to like which one are, uh, which one of these are claims. They look for uh, look for information on the web to support or deny that, and then do the reasoning like why which of this information actually proves something about uh, about the claim and so on. But this system to are very difficult in practice to um, I think it's going to take quite a, quite a lot of time to have a system that does all of that. Can they find any falsehoods? Any and every falsehood is, of course, a bit difficult, and there are limits. And um, this is also something I asked Giovanni about. So let's listen what he had to say. We don't have algorithms that are good enough to to do a proper reasoning because some of the reasoning that's behind to, to disprove or prove a, a claim are kind of complex. And we don't have algorithms right now that are able to do that in all, all of the cases. So what, uh, what has been done lately and we had the part of this, uh, we really pushed for this is to, uh, has researchers trying to solve all the problem in its entirety. We, uh, <clears throat> we partnered with the people that do, um, fact checking, for example, that work in the field. And we, we sat with them and we asked, how can we help you? And it turned out that there are things that they need that would really speed up their work that we haven't really thought of, that there were problems that were not as, uh, uh, like maybe has uh, as interesting from the research point of view, but they they were immensely helpful uh, to them. For example, still talking about uh, fact checking, uh, one of the problem that is very interesting is like if you have a long debate, uh, try to find what are the interesting claims. So like have a system that kind of gives a score to to uh, highlights the what are probably the, the claims that should be prioritized. And this could be like a help to a fact checker that does the final uh, decision, but still it, it gives him more information. Like it, it doesn't have to read all of it, but mm -hmm. it, it can focus on some of the things. So he's saying that it will take both humans and machines to do this, right? Right, exactly. But one of the problems that they're still working on, which we mentioned before, is that it's quite hard to let machines or even to let humans decide on which fact to check, what is what is worth checking, what is worth the time and the effort that we put into it to see if this is really true. 
What do you mean? Well, if you look at a, at a TV debate or even just a newspaper article, there are so many claims. And we simply don't have enough fact checkers, uh, human or machine or otherwise, uh, to check everything. For example, imagine how many facts there are just in today's edition of your local newspaper. So Giovanni has worked out a number of strategies, and one of which is partnering with fact-checking organizations. One strategy was uh, is simply to say, uh, you know what, uh, we we ask a fact-checking organization to give us the claims that they decided to fact-check, and we take that as as they are important, and then we try to to train a system, a machine learning system that would be able to. Uh, uh, to replicate their behavior. So, with, with, so whatever those people thought it, it is important, we try to mimic that. This is this is one way to do it. Here is one of the um, the situations in which it was kind of important to uh, work together with the fact checkers because some of them they have uh, uh, they have an internal set of uh, um, guidelines to. Uh, to say what what is important, what is not, because you know, I, I guess even like for uh, since there are like uh, some of these companies, they have like quite a, quite a number of people. It cannot be completely subjective, and so they try to kind of formalize it, and they give us access to uh, to those uh, to those guidelines, and then we try to uh, so there are different ones, and we try to uh, come up with uh, something that would put them together. Where is this going next? And so the next thing to look at is what has what has been done in the past. So what's been fact-checked already, and is there anything that we can already find in the database? And um, can we compare it to the fact that we're checking right now? The next step is, uh, um, is finding out whether something has already been fact-checked. Which seems, uh, which seems trivial and which seems like kind of obvious. But it's actually already a quite a challenging problem from the technical point of view. As, as we find out, well, when we start, uh, tackling it, thousands of, uh, claims that has been, that have been fact-checked, uh, already. Uh, so, right, right now there are, um, uh, thousands of, uh, claims that has been, that have been fact-checked, uh, already. If a new claim come, comes out, and it has already been fact checked, but it it is not uh, recognized as such by uh, by by fact checker. It's going to spend maybe you know maybe even two or three days fact checking it properly. And this is time, this valuable time because we are uh, is the time of an expert. They should be focusing on new fact, uh, on new claims to be fact checked, not on old ones. And actually, the other thing that was kind of uh, surprising is that actually. Even if something has been fact-checked, uh, it turns out that uh, even public figures keep repeating those claims, even even if they know it has, they have been already fact-checked. It's not as uncommon as one might think logically. You know, say, okay, this has been proven wrong. I'm not saying this in, in the public interview. No, it's actually not not what is going on. <laughs> There's a, there was an article, uh, we mentioned this when we, we give like presentation. It was an article in, uh, I think it was either Australian or New Zealand uh, newspaper that was, that has counted that there was a, uh, a claim from, 
a very well-known American politician uh, that has been repeated, uh, has been proven false, and it has been repeated 80 times. Now that we have the claim, I asked Giovanni what has to happen next in our fact-checking process. The claim has to be properly checked, and we go back like to the more traditional uh, um, type of uh, research in which we need to gather information. So we start from the claim and we look for information either, I don't know, Wikipedia or we look the web in general or if we have specific sources. And like this depends really on the claim because maybe some claims, you know, they're, they're talking about statistics and numbers. So maybe you know that there is a specific source where you can find that and so on. And this whole procedure is is really what any fact checker, a robot fact checker or not, should follow, according to Giovanni. This is the pipeline that ha- uh, that anybody who wants to do fact checking, like we we think this is like the the normal pipeline that have, that any entity that wants to do fact checking should kind of follow. And so this is this is right. This is what happens for humans, but also uh, automatic system like. This is one of the subtasks that automatic system uh, do. So like gather information that are possibly relevant, well, they should be relevant for, for the claim. And then the, the very final task is that given this, this set of facts, this set of uh, information, can I conclude something about, about the claim? So this mm-hmm. is really about logic and reasoning. And can a computer do all of this alone? No, we're not really at that point yet. Um, computer can help, but they're, but they're now at a point at which they can do it all alone. There's no comparison with, uh, with what human can do in general. Maybe there are, you know, some specific subcases that are kind of similar to, uh, to things that has been seen in the past. So maybe the machine can, can try to help that doing those like you. So, uh, so it would be still be useful to see the output come of uh, uh, of an automatic system to be given to to a human to be you know to be checked especially if this outcome uh, specifies how what was the process that the machine followed not just uh, if if it out if it only says it's fake or not fake is not that that useful to a human it has to to say i think it's fake because a b c and d and then a human can say well, I think this is a good, this is a good reason. It makes sense. And, you know, the machine is right or can say, no, it's not. And so one other technique Giovanni told me about was that they look at pictures and their captions. So if a caption and its picture don't match, that might be a red flag. Yes, exactly. And let's, let's see what Giovanni told me in our interview. Yes. Uh, this information comes in so many different ways so what one way is to is to have um as you were saying is to have a like proper text and a, a, a real picture doesn't have to be fake but you're just matching uh i don't know maybe the text is talking about uh, specific facts like uh i don't know like uh, protest uh in some uh, some countries in russia and the picture is about something else so they, are, they can be both real, but they are mis- kind of mismatched. And the mismatching suggests an interpretation of the story that is not the correct one. That's also misinformation. So it, as I was saying, it's kind of a tricky problem. 
Wait, so can a machine detect that or not? Yes, exactly. That's actually what they're still working on. You know, while I was talking to Giovanni, I wondered if a computer program will ever be enough to filter all the disinformation. What do you mean? We now have technical possibilities and we fact check this with, let's say, just natural language processing, computer learning, and they look like they're getting to be quite good and they look like they're getting quite good results. So if we use all the resources that we have, um, would that even be enough to fact check all the information on the web? So that would that just give us enough firepower? And what did Giovanni say? He actually said what I think was interesting. He said, well, actually, this can't just be, you know, all the work can't just be on the side of the fact checkers. He pointed out, he pointed to the other side. He pointed to consumers of information and what their responsibility in terms of finding this information could be. I mean, this is only one side of the problem. So, like, finding the, the identifying this information is, is one side. The other side uh, is, is not, it's, it's like, like being the police. No? This is, uh, it has to catch the, the bad guys. This is one side. But the other side is, for example, to, to teach people not to do bad things. So there, there's, there's one, an, another side of the problem. Like, um, so right now, the problem is, the real, one of the problems is that uh, there are some people that are incentivized to produce disinformation. Because they they get uh, they get benefit out of it, it, it either economical or you know they get uh, power uh, something something back out of it. And so one way is to, uh, in, in my opinion, is to have uh, uh, the people who goes on the internet that are, that are consuming information to be more aware of of, of what they are. Uh, of what they are reading, because like before the internet, uh, I'm, I'm old enough to, to say before <laughs> before the internet, uh, we were uh, at least like um, I'm from Italy, so I was uh, consuming information in Italy, and there were only a few a few TV channels. There were only few. There are there are still only few newspapers. So those uh, those TV channels, those newspapers, they were were kind of a, a gatekeeping for 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 all the kind of for all information that was flowing so they were selecting for me some information of course this one one this can become censorship on one hand but on the other hand they were performing a quality check on the information and just releasing what was what they would think was quality like now being opti optimistic like everything was done in the proper way so like my generation and and people older than me, uh, when they, when the internet came, that were, there was no this uh, um, this filtering process was no more there because the ones who were producing information were in direct contact with the people that were consuming information. So what happened is that we didn't uh, we really learned the skills to filter uh, to judge the quality of the information. This is a skill that is missing, and it makes uh, uh, it makes a lot of people vulnerable to disinformation, and we should not only try to identify this information. We should work on the other side because this is going to give the best outcome, maybe in the medium uh, long uh, long term. 
So basically, consumers need to inform themselves and need to be aware of which outlets they can trust. Yes, exactly. And Giovanni also pointed out that he's working on detecting specific ways of influencing people. So structures and, and patterns that could act as signposts for disinformation. Well, one thing that we haven't uh, uh, talked uh, a lot is is related about this uh, this fact of the quality of information that I was uh, that I was mentioning. So, what are the characteristics of uh, of disinformation? So, if I want to, uh, let's say, if I want to produce misinformation, if I want to influence you, because in, in most cases this is the end goal, like to to change people's mind. Uh, so what, what are the techniques that, that I can use? And there are certain specific techniques. For example, there are techniques like logical fallacies that seems to do like well, well-formed reasoning, but actually it, it is not, and it might be convincing. Or there are techniques uh, like appealing to the emotion uh, of the audience. So I'm trying to convince you about something like appealing to, to your fears. If I know what are your fears, and uh, I, I can try to to appeal on those, and maybe uh, those fears would kind of for a second will blind you while you're judging whatever I'm, I'm saying, and you, you feel like maybe you feel, even feel a connection with me because we have this thing in common, this emotion in common. Then you try to, and then you you tend to say, okay, I, I accept your thesis. Uh, and so what, uh, there are a lot of, uh, of these techniques and, and their detection also helps, uh, would, would help a lot because this goes really in the direction of being able to analyze the, the quality of the text, uh, the information that, that uh, we are reading. So just to be clear, is all of this happening in English? Yes, for the most part it is. And I think that's one of the big problems of the whole discussion. Um, we're focused on what the big social media companies are doing, but we often overlook that a lot of this information, a lot of the discussion is based on what's happening in English language fact-checking. Um, and that, of course, is a huge problem because we know there's a lot of disinformation in Spanish and in other languages. We are uh, hosting an annual competition on the on this task, and... Um, we have multiple, actually multiple languages uh, going on. So we have English because like most of the research and the tools are, uh, are in English, but also we have uh, uh, Spanish. Uh, we are in contact with, uh, with a, a Spanish company and they also, uh, for checking company and they also provide us uh, with some uh, data and uh, provide with us and also in Arabic. Actually, we have an episode on how a simple new service is targeting Spanish language misinformation and disinformation. You'll find the link in the show notes. Yeah, exactly. And and what they're doing is actually in they're they're looking at WhatsApp groups, which, which is actually a fascinating story. And that brings us to the end of our last episode for the season. Thanks for listening, and as always, you can find transcripts. And you can sign up for our newsletter on our website, www.theinoculation.com. You can find our podcast everywhere you like to listen to podcasts. And you can also find us on Twitter and Facebook. Yes, we are not unplugging from social media for the whole summer. So do find us there. Thanks for listening and have a great summer. 
Tune in again in September. Bye. Thank you.